Uh, good morning, you guys. Uh, let's pray. We'll get into this little bit of stuff I put together. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, uh, thank you so much. Um, thank you for the holiday that we were able to celebrate and what that really, really, really signifies. Thank you that it was in the form of a miracle, that it's fascinating and captivating and involved on all levels. Lord, our hearts, our relationships with other people, uh, the spiritual universes and, um, and, your, and your kingdom all the way up to your throne, Father. Um, what a magnificent day you put into motion and uh, we just thank you for uh, today now and our time together we pray for those that can't be here for one good or bad reason Lord we pray for them we pray that your spirit would minister to them where they're at I think of Mike and Nicole and Noble and my friends the Shaners and the Hardys and folks I don't see my own wife um folks, Lord, that we long uh, to be in fellowship with. We lift them up to you. We pray for your power uh, to be um, active in their lives and pray for our own health and healing, Lord, if we're sick and not feeling well, Lord, I thank you for helping my daughter and please help my wife now and those of us that are suffering with a seasonal cold or other ailments, God, we need you to sustain us. And we just pray and ask, Lord, that you would do that. And um, Lord, just pray about this time. Thank you for these words, these inspirations, these notions and things that you've given me. And I ask that you would bless that. And thank you that you're the one that does the heavy lifting. Such a relief. Um, and so I just pray this in your good name, Jesus. I ask that you glorify yourself. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 There we go. Nice. Sounds good. Uh, good morning, family. Good uh, post-Christmas family, post-holiday, post-celebration, uh, and introduction into the new year type of stuff type of session that we're in right now, I think uh, culturally and uh, individually and as a family. I don't know how you all feel about Christmas and New Year's, uh, the whole shebang that it is. I personally, uh, well this year, I think especially in, in last year, I enjoyed my Christmas season. Probably two years ago, I had the worst Christmas ever just when all of a sudden the floor dropped out of my life after the last present was opened. I don't know if you guys experienced that, but all of a sudden it's the big buildup and everything just stops and like the ride is over and it just felt really awkward to just sense this void in, in action and in thought and um, I didn't like where I was in that place. That was very difficult for the, for the few hours that it occupied me um, and I recognized it immediately like this is something that should not be. Um, you know, what did I do wrong? If anything, did, how do we fix this going forward? Um, it was just a big drop off. It's just a big letdown, a big emotional letdown. And I think people experience this. Uh, a lot of people do, actually. It's not unique to just me. 
though it was probably the, the first and freshest experience I've ever had with something like that. You can call it a depression if you want. I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I wouldn't argue with you. It was, uh, it was, a, it was, a, it was a dip. And uh, it's a thing. It's a thing culturally. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if anybody else besides myself experiences. And if you guys are, I want you to know um, that God knows, the Lord knows, and we can, we can have each other to, um, to harbor together uh, through, through any of that. Um, question, though, um, maybe some people don't have that, that same lull in depression or um, sort of inner... Um, strife after the holidays. Does anyone here? I just want to open this up real quick. Just anybody have any customs or or things that they do after Christmas to where, you know, maybe the holidays don't phase them, or they have a kind of a continuation of the holidays. Anybody? Does anybody? Does everybody come to a grinding stop? Just show of hands. Is it is it done? Is it over? No. Is it? <coughs> huh? You're supporting me? Sweet, brother. Thank you. Um, I just thought, you know, it is kind of a cultural thing. It's a cultural identity with, with Americans and consumerism and the things that we've gotten into that <clears throat> we just haven't developed a healthy custom of Christmas. In fact, we've probably abandoned the healthy custom of Christmas in favor of other behaviors, other activities. And, and I think the evidence is uh, to our detriment that, that not a, not, not, a, not a healthy way to go in a celebratory thing. If you think about the ancient cultures, um, especially the Israelites and their holiday practices, they, they roll through them, they, they, they build up and they enter and they exit. And then they transition into kind of their standard ways of living. Ours is not so structurally um, or, or healthfully inclined. So, um, so I think there's this transition, there's a seasonal journey that we go through, <clears throat> and then there's this post-holiday syndrome that we experience, and I wanted to kind of structure my sermon around that as well as we're getting into the new year. And um, I didn't want to do like a best of 2023 session here and things to look forward to in 2024. You know, your atypical People Magazine, New Year's Eve issue type of sermon. Um, so, but I kind of wanted to talk about that. I want to pick up um, the fact that uh, we all have this uh, post-Christmas section of time and a future, uh, an immediate future and an immediate season where we're going to be walking with Christ and walking with each other. Um, and picking up kind of where we left off pre-Christmas, you know, with home groups, the sermon in, or the series in, in Matthew. And I wanted to uh, kind of bring us back and give us uh, a, a more wholesome reminder of, of who and how and why we are in Christ um, for this time. Just, just, just want to remind us 
in hopes that it'll 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 bridge that gap. It'll it'll create that taper into um, you know our, the next season in our lives, the next season in our Northwest environment. Um, and so I picked up. Uh, picked uh, Romans 12 to go through. Um, I think I'm just going to adjust some of my notes. Um, picked Romans 12 to go through because it, it, it's, just, it, it's just a great listed um, section of scripture that when we meditate on it, when we read through it, hopefully, you'll, you'll, you'll start to feel that or sense that and know that um, that steadiness of God's word and that steadiness of his character, um, kind of like a, like, a, like a boat at a dock. You know, you have those, those ropes that hold it there and they're tied to a cleats. God's word is like that in our lives sometimes. It just, ah, oh, yeah, that's right, I'm tied, I'm tied, I'm anchored, you know, I'm, I'm reinforced. Um, I'm not just floating with reckless abandon towards uh, an emotional uh, whirlpool. What, what do they call those things? You know what I'm talking about? The, the spirally thing that sucks you down inside of the water. It's not a hurricane, but it's a tidal wave? No. It is a whirlpool, yeah. I mean, that's a little dramatic, but I feel that way sometimes. Like, oh no, here we go, oh no. <sighs> so. So we'll go through Romans 12. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to that. And we'll get into it. Romans 12. I have the NIV version going here. Titled, uh, A Living Sacrifice. Paul wrote this. And he starts, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what's God, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, 
Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Ah. So yeah, there's a there's a, there's a lot there to go on. There's a lot there to to kind of pick and choose from, and and I and I really appreciate that section of scripture because I can run it back, I can rehearse it, I can replay it, and I, I can usually find some bearings for myself in there somewhere in regards to my behavior, my relationships, my personal relationship with God. Um, or even inspiration of what, you know, answering the question, what am I supposed to be doing or, or what can I be doing or, or how can I be doing or helping? And so it's super practical uh, to do that. And I just want to go through some of um, what stuck out to me as I process that scripture for the last few days. Um, one, the first thing is when Paul in- makes the introduction there, uh, right there in the middle of um, verse one, he says the, the statement, in view of God's mercy. And so to me, the rest of what he's saying is, is, is kind of under this banner or through this lens, in view of God's mercy, or if you think about what you're doing, your perspective, you know, it's, it's like 180, degree, 180 degrees, right? In view of God's mercy. And so God's mercy isn't, supposed to be over here out of view. It's in view of God's mercy, and then he goes through the list. And so keeping God's mercy in view is kind of a challenge, it's kind of an exhortation. Actually, all of this is an exhortation, but that's like the first like, detail. Like if, if, if you don't get that part right, probably the rest of it's gonna be a little blurry or a little fuzzy because God's mercy is not in view. And when we think about God's mercy, I mean, I, I think about what Dave shared in the, the psalm. That was just like so um, interconnected to what I have to say about this and, and what our attitude should be and, and hopefully what our attitudes were mm, celebrating. You know, though we do it at Easter, we, we do it 
a bit at Christmas too. It's the view of God's mercy. It's that, that view that God came to us, he came to you, and he presented himself to you, he offered himself to you, and like Mike was saying at the Christmas sermon, I don't know if you guys heard this, but you know, the angels came to the shepherd and said, peace be unto you. And it wasn't just like, hey, have some peace, you know, like, eh, you know, you know not, not even remotely close to hippie peace from the 60s. It wasn't like peace, and I hope you feel good. It's peace, I'm not gonna fight you anymore. We're not at war. I offer you terms of peace. Peace I bring to you. And I love that. I've been meditating on that this week. Like, it's such a relief, you guys, to not be at war with God, to not be fighting against God, whether through your willful actions or decisions or your anger or bitterness or anything. It, if, you, if you are fighting against God, be honest about how ridiculous that is, how God, I mean, he could rub you out, Right? It's not, a, it's not hard for God to, to remove things from us or remove us from things. But if you're at war with God, there's a contention in your heart that, that, that first of all, is hard and hurting and strenuous. And you can, you can agree to God's term. He has come to you and said, I bring you peace, these are my terms. You can receive that peace and immediately the war is over. I mean, war with God is like weight that you don't wanna be hauling in a, in a wheelbarrow behind you. It's just, it's the bane of your existence if you look closely enough. You can let that go and you can have peace. And man, what a relief that is to just have peace with God. And so, going to my original point, in view of God's mercy, God mercifully brought us his peace. God mercifully said, this war can be over if you accept my terms. And my terms are that I will send my son to die for your sins. So the things that you have against me, though they are wrongfully motivated, however they're motivated, these can be quelled and you can be restored. We can, we can have a relationship. And, and that's all too vague of a description. God's desire for relationship with his people is what propelled him to send his son as a sacrifice. That's a big, big, big give up on his behalf. It's a big forfeit on God's behalf to obtain peace with you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son So in view of that, in view of God's mercy, I, I played with that part for the whole section of scripture, and we'll do it at the end. But he starts off, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. As if you were misinformed as to what true worship is, Paul clarifies it. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And that's, I'm gonna be honest, 
you know, there are probably other people that just have a real good handle on that, offering up their bodies as a living sacrifice, like, hey, go ahead, God, take it. How I live, how I function inside of this frame of flesh and bone, um, you know, go ahead, do as you will. Um, it's yours. That's a, that's a harder thing, I think, done for me. I'm not going to speak for anybody else. But that is a harder thing done for me than it is. But it's worship. It's, and that's why Paul is exhorting us to do it. It's probably why he's exhorting us to do it, because it's, it's not an easy give up. It's not for me. It's not an easy give up. I'm going to be honest. You see me, I chew nicotine gum. I love nicotine gum. I do. I love it. I started smoking when I was 12. I don't want to die of cancer, but I kind of love nicotine. And I'm like, Lord, oh, I love you, but I don't know if I want to give that up. It's hard. And it keeps, it keeps, hey. There's other things that I've had to give up because it's an offering. It's a form of worship. It's, and uh, you know we have to kind of keep this thing in view. Jesus did this in view of his great mercy and sacrifice in terms of peace. Exchange that, swap out, receive what he's offering, and here you go, Lord. My body, my stuff for what you give. And we get to weigh that out, right? It's a practical response, though, to be willing. And uh, it's also what I would call a faith. One of, the, one, of the, one of the things I process here over these verses is faith, because it's the term faith I wanted to take the opportunity to clarify it, at least for myself. And if anybody else was like I was about the word faith, you know, maybe this will help you. But faith to me was always um, loosely, not, not super loosely defined, but kind of hard to pin down. It's kind of like a tomato seed. You ever, the seeds come out of the tomato and it's on the plate. You're like trying to get that sucker with fork. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody else experience that? Everybody has, right? That, that, that little sucker's like slimy and round and squirrely, and it, it's hard to pin down. If you know, you know. Um, so faith is like that. Like faith is this, it's an important thing. You don't just ignore something like faith. Like, oh yeah, faith, yeah. Webster's has it figured out. Faith is something you should know what it really is, especially in view of God's mercy. Faith isn't about just believe, 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 believe. Bammo, faith. It isn't something you get going, pour some gasoline on the fire and pray harder. Now I'm gonna do it, let's go. Faith, faith, 
silly. Faith is faith. God calls us to be faithful to him. Or, yeah, he's like, could you be faithful to me? Like, Come on, I, I've done this. Can you be faithful is our, okay, God. Faith always, faith is pre-established by the thing that God wants you to have faith in first. So God doesn't call us to just have general jump off a cliff, I think I can fly faith. God calls us to have faith in the circumstance, in the event, in the, in the scenario that is beyond our ability to just believe this is actually happening and, happening and, and something Something depends on our response type of thing. It's, Abraham had faith because God said, I'm gonna make you this. Okay. Abraham responded in faith. He was attracted to what God had to offer. That is faith. God has offered something, he's made it attractive or intriguing or inspiring or created an opportunity for you to be participant in and you get to throw your lot in. That's faith. That's, that's a type of faith. There are kind of a couple others. And so, I can't remember why I established this. Um, well, it's a faith, is, faith is, is, is the action we're taking in the response to, to what God has offered. In view of God's mercy, Paul is exhorting us to have faith. And he hits it a few times. You'll see it in the measure that faith is God. God has given each of you. He says that. Um, there's a couple times he mentions faith in this section. So I just want to clarify. Does that help? Does that help you understand? I don't know if you all have that, that tomato seed understanding of, of faith like I was talking about, if it's hard to pin down. But but just think about it in terms of God has done something for you and he's, he's looking for you to respond. Your response is your faith. So it, it's either, and, it, and it's, it's probably more faith when your response is doing the thing that God wants you to do. Because we have the term, are you faithful or faithless? I have a faithful wife. She's faithful to me. She does, her interaction towards me is genuine and it's, it's what I want from her. And so it, it's, there's a faith and a faithfulness that we have with each other. There's, there's the faith of, of, of your work, you know, maybe your job. You, you have to be honest about what you're presenting to the people that you serve if you have a service-oriented profession or you're, I think most of us work in our employment is for the service of others, like 99 0.9% of us, right? And so that has to be legitimate so that your customer can have faith in what you've done. And so having faith in what God has done is you're throwing your lot in and saying, yeah, I'm buying that. I'm taking that. Abraham took it. Yeah, yeah, all right. That's, that's way more than I bargained for or anticipated or thought would ever happen. But, but hey, you're putting it out there. Yeah, I'm in. Burning bush, you know, Moses had faith that that was God. I mean, he could have just, whoa, you know, but he realized and he recognized God has created and is having this, this unique interaction time with him. 
by faith, he, he communicates with God. That's wild. Um, so yeah, that's faith. So we gotta have faith. We gotta, we gotta look at what God has done in view of his, his great mercy. Get back to responding to him. And we have such a long list. And this is, this is what I was going on, was like, in view of God's mercy, have faith, offer yourself. And I was kind of, I was going through the, the whole section of scripture with that in the back of my mind, trying to emphasize this in view of God's mercy thing, to not let that dissipate, but to hold on to that. In view of God's mercy, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you're looking at God and seeing what he's done for you and he's saying, hey, step out. I got this for you if you want it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. He's saying, here, I got you front and center right here if you'll respond to me. Look at me. And then you kind of like, whoa, but that guy's got all these things and the world is headed in this general direction and if I don't act like them, I'm not gonna be safe. I'm gonna be like them instead and that looks like a losing thing and maybe I better work towards doing that and shore up and, and build up wealth and build up walls and go die hard on a political party or, or get super independent and insulated. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that, I mean, you guys have heard that before. That's why this is, this is a good rehearsal. You know, we've heard that before. How do we not be conformed? How do we transform? How do we renew our minds? Anybody want to answer? How do you renew your mind? It is hard, but how do we renew our minds though? It's an easy, this is a layup. It's not, it's not that, it's not as complicated. Don't be, don't be mad at me. That's the Lord's word. Go ahead, Paul. Reading the word of God. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Renew and refresh by reading the word of God. So. For me, reading God's word does not renew my mind. Some things hit, yes. Changing the narrative that you're telling yourself. Amen. Here, here, here. You just take it from here, Audrey. You got it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Change, she says changing the narrative. Because we got, I have an internal monologue. Most of us have an operating system beneath the, the veneer here. And yeah, mine's super vulnerable to things. Influences, old behaviors, things. They can grind into a cloudy, blurry, doubtful mess sometimes. And we have to have that fresh narrative in view God's mercy, not behind us, in view. And, and to hear his word and to be transformed isn't like, okay, poof. 
It's a process, it's a washing over, it's a sitting with, it's a steeping. Tea doesn't turn from water to tea, dunk and you're done. It happens by steeping. You let that, you let those energies in the hot water break down the still energies of the essential oils and the tea and it dissipates and, you know, blossoms in the water and the water's transformed to tea. It's the same thing with God's word. We take it in, sit with it, let it sit with us. And I would encourage you and exhort you uh, as much to reduce, set the time aside, get rid of the distractions enough to where God's word can actually sit with you. I can't come to you with a sermon on some scriptures just because I read it real quick and I walked up here and started talking about it. I've had to sit with it. I've had to let it marinate and, and I want it to change me. I want it to transform me. I want it to affect me because I don't want to freaking be depressed for the next three months, you guys, honestly. I don't want to have my sense of well-being hinged on the seasonal calendar. It's just, even though I've gotten used to three-fourths of the year, it almost doesn't outweigh this, 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 these next few months for me. So only God's word can transform us and we have to sit with it. We have to make a practical, intentional opportunity for that to happen though. It can't just be on a, on a, on a fortune cookie whim. And I really think, uh, Devotionals are good, and if you didn't know, Proverbs is a devotional, 30 days, so it's a wash, rinse, and repeat devotional. 30 days every month, you just click the next one. And I have, I've garnered um, blessing from that. It seems like super old-fashioned, oh no man, I need the latest author, the latest book, who's on the Bible app every, few weeks. I don't know if you guys do that devotional, the Bible app devotional. I've done that. It's been right on time sometimes for sure. And I appreciate it. But the Proverbs, it's, it's solid. And it might not seem like it's, the reading is applying to anything you're going through that day. But if you stop and let it sit, you're like, oh, so that's how God feels about a fool. Oh, you know, like, oh. How was that? Oh, but that's how God says it'd go better for you if, it, if you're not like a fool. Oh, I think I'll try that. I think I'll, I think I'll transform a little bit. So, so have some transformation. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Here we are again. Verse three, Paul is, he's saying, for by the grace given me. Well, what is that grace that Paul got? That dude was a bad, bad man. He was a straight, cold-blooded killer. He says grace. He's talking about big grace. He's talking about big mercy. If anybody should have been strung up and 
removed because he was warring with God. It probably should have been Paul. Paul was an adversary. And God came to him and said, these are my terms. That's great. So Paul is always keeping that in view, that thing that he does not deserve, this grace and this mercy. By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, he knows what he's got. He's instructing others, exhorting them. Because he's been guilty too. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. You think Paul thought himself? He's admitted it. He was, he was expert in the law. He was on his way to, to superstardom in that whatever, that circle, that culture. He probably thought he was hot patooties. And he probably had to keep it on the down low and just let other people, you're the man, you're the man, you're the man. You know, his mom might have been around the corner like, Paul, you and I both know, you know. But he's saying, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Well, sober judgment, that's unintoxicated judgment, right? It's not distorted. Your judgment might be off, but at least it's sober. At least it's, there's some truth to it, and that can be adjusted and corralled and corrected and refined to where you have good judgment, especially when you compare it to the word of God. But sober judgment, not, not intoxicated or toxified by some sort of pollutant. You can just way off, you know, when you're, when you're not sober and you're, you're calling shots. So this is how it is. And this is why this is wrong. And that's that person's fault. And that ain't right. And this is how it ought to be. Mm -mm. It's just more wrong. But he says, do it in accordance to the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So don't think of yourselves any more than what God has put in front of you to respond to. Remember, God has called us to faith, to have faith. And this is helpful for me. Uh, it's, a, it's a subtle thing, but I think of myself too highly in certain phases, and I think of myself too highly in one phase, and that is on the level of responsibility for teaching you all and wanting you to get what it is that I have to say. It pains me part way to get this right. And if you guys aren't like clicking with it, I feel like I've failed. I feel like it's not working. I feel like I probably shouldn't be up here. I feel like I don't know what I'm working with or my relationship with Mike and other counsel that I lean on is, is this really working? I doubt. And so, I've, in response to what God has put, God has just said, via Mike, via the elders, hey, do you want to teach? Faith says, my faith says, yeah, okay. Because my faith goes back to a jail cell 
hey, do you want to live a less painful life? Yeah, okay. Then, then follow me. Do what I give you to do. Okay, that's better. That's better than what I've been doing. And from then on, that's all it's been. I don't have a great faith that, that I, you know, it's like the old cartoons. You know, the cartoon character's legs are spinning. Like, Here we go. Uh-uh. Mine's just been, okay. My faith started off with, Go to Singles Fellowship at Mount Lake Terrace steadily with a guy from Minnesota who doesn't say a word the whole trip from the U District to Mount Lake Terrace and back for the first few months sitting in a pickup truck. Jamerson, I'll give you a ride to Singles Fellowship if you want. Okay, that's better than me going to the bar. And that's it, man. It was like, who is this guy? This is not a guy I would hang out with. He would not make the list. Um, this guy is not going to propel me further in my social circles or anything like that, but I love this man dearly to this day now. His name is Jeff Johnson, and he was the Lord to me in, for, a, for a window for several seasons. Um, my faith was from Singles Fellowship. Hey, do you want to cook at our next meal? Okay. Yeah, you prepared that for me to do? I, I'll do that, I'll do that. And then, hey, you can cook. You wanna cook every Sunday? Okay, better than jail. It's just been one, it's just been one stepping stone after the other of, I've never gone looking for it. And that was the kind of the agreement. It was like, Lord, thy will be done, not my own. And that was it. Like, I'm done doing my thing. Whatever it is you have for me, okay, that's what I want. I don't want what I'm making for myself. And, and that's always been, it's been one step of stone in front of the other, in front of the other, and that's got me here. Mike and, and Nathan and, 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 and Dave, hey, you wanna teach? Okay, that's all it's ever been. It was not a, okay, you gotta go to school, and then you gotta do this, and then, and then one day you'll teach. And it was not a big building up, it's just been a, okay. We can, any of us can have that in view of God's mercy. And, and I just pray that, that you guys are, that that's really resonating with you like it is me, that we're moved by God to where we can't help ourselves but respond in faith to that which he has before us. And that's what we can and, and are able to do in, in, in this next season of our lives, that it doesn't just stop with Christmas, it doesn't just start and stop or stop and start on New Year's and then back to the grind and weather the weather and, you know, it's just, there's, there's so much more of, a, of an activity within the body um, that we get to, we, we should have more of an inclination towards or, or more of an awareness about. Let's, let's be generative about being a member of the body, it's just waiting, but anticipate that God is using you with people that you're around, people that you're fellowshipping with, people that you're in group with, like, okay, we're, we're part of something active that's bigger and more involved than, than kind of this vague worldly structure around us. And so Paul, and Paul gets into that, he says, 
Let's see. Picking up in. Oh yeah, uh, don't don't think too highly of yourself. That was his main point. Uh, for just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we through many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And that's probably his reason for not thinking too highly of yourself, is you belong to somebody else. First of all, you belong to God in view of what he's done for you. You've responded to that faith and said, yes, I'll take you up on that. I'll take that right there. That's called salvation. Uh-huh, that's a really good deal. You're not going to find that anywhere else. Yep, I got that. And then you've got, you belong to kind of the, the things he sets up for you. You belong in your response, faith. My, my response to say yes to come up here and teach, it belongs to, it belongs to Nathan, Dave, and Mike. It belongs to you guys. I have to be responsible to, you know, as he was saying to others, if you, if you're a teacher, teach. You know, if you're called to do this, then do it. So, you know, there's this vulnerability of thinking, oh, I'm a teacher, I don't have to teach now. I've done that. You know, you think too highly of yourself. So remember, you belong to others. This is, this is almost mystical in a way, and this part intrigues me. This invisible kingdom that we're part of a, of a body you know, it's kind of it's kind of neat to think that there's a connection and a, and a schematic of of our relationships with each other, a grand um, plan that we're all interconnected, and uh, it's kind of like soccer. I don't know if you guys have watch soccer, any soccer fans here, then you'll get this. I don't watch a lot of soccer, but I get it. That there's this thing, say Nathan and I are on the soccer field together. Nathan and I depend on each other, the ability to pass the ball back and forth and do it in a good way. Like, yeah, that works, all right, good job. But there's this whole team that's out here in the periphery waiting for their chance to get the ball. And if we have a bad exchange, that whole team, everything that they were aligning themselves up to, getting open, getting into position, and you look from afar, and I think this is the beauty of the game, it's a dot to dot. It's literally a dot to dot. Like all of a sudden the ball goes here, and it goes here, and it goes here, and it goes here, and it's almost intercepted, and it passes through the narrow chasm of, of legs and feet here, and oh my gosh, no way, that's not supposed to happen, and then bing, 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 and then all of a sudden, boom, it coalesces into a goal, and people go, whoa, because they're watching it from afar, and they're like, dink, dink, and they see the potential of it, but it all depends on one to two, and then many others who are affected on their connectivity. Connectivity, fellow electricians, anybody know that one? You got to have sound points of connection, and, and you're not bigger than the other end of the wire. There, you're not the. You're you're vital to each other, and we all. We're all, part of this large orchestrated. Uh, movement called Christianity, called grace to the Gentiles, grace and mercy and forgiveness to the Gentiles, and it's, and we're just. And really, we're all just kind of one symphonic note in, in a massive 
massive orchestra, right? And so be on tune by not being too tuned into yourself, I guess. Um, We have different gifts according to the, again, according to the grace given to each of us. So God has approached us in mercy and grace and forgiveness in terms of peace and, and we have a grace. I have, I have a wide grace. I don't think I'm guilty for saying that because I came from a very, um, again, I told you it was jail. It was jail and then some. It was jail in the hospital. It was jail and mental illness. It was jail and drug abuse and alcoholism and and messed up relationships and a whole wake of bad decisions. And it, it was all me. And, and that came to the forefront when God says, hey, how about you, you give that up? And so that's a massive exchange. It's a big grace because it wasn't just a, just a decision to substitute one thing for another. That, that is the umbrella, that is the, the structure of the, of the interaction, a trade, but the volume and the weight and the, the combustibility of, the, of the, the trouble that I exchanged, the potential for bad things, the potential, the unsafe, dangerous, volatile mixture of, of things that I was involved in garners it a, a greater exchange than a mere list of activities. Let me tell you, we all affect each other like a great mobile. Mo- mobile, you know, you throw one off and then the rest of them move. I mean, our relationships are so intricate and, and even in unhealthy ways, there's still response mechanisms that, that go on down the chain. You look at any major event, somebody goes and does something really stupid or lame, I guarantee you there's a trail of events that led to that individual. We've seen movies that riff off of this. There's a trail, you know, on from Adam and Eve, right? And it's worked its way through history and up to us and we come to these points and these things. So, according to the gift, according to the the mercy that God has given you. In full view of what he's given you, he's given you a measure of a response towards that gift, and in that measured response, you have a gift, because your gift is something to offer, other than, it is important that you say yes, right? But it's something more. Each of you has a gift. It's in your skill set. It's in your talent. It's, in, it's part of the exchange. God has given you something. I don't know what it is. I'm going to get super Christmas metaphorical here. It's present. It's wrapped up. Nobody knows what it is. But you have probably opened it and seen what it is. Or you know what that is between God and you. Whether it's encouragement. He listed. Is it to teach? Is it to, be, to give generously? I don't know. I don't know what your gift is. I know that I've got just Bonus gifts, though, you guys. Bonus. I'm not going to take credit for any of them. God has given them all to me. And let's use them. Let's use them. Sitting on them, you know. Then it kind of jumps. 
Paul jumps again here. Let's jump into verse 9 through 21. Um, oh, hold on. Yeah. Not true. Oh, so, yeah, I just wrote a question. What are you compelled to respond with when you view what God has given you in exchange, He's given you a gift of faith? Is it a talent? Is it an ability? It should be a desire, you know, like at the beginning to offer our bodies as as worship, There's, there, there should be a faith, there should be a response there because God's moving gift of himself and his son is, uh, it, it's moving, right? It's changing, it's life changing, it's altering. That, that is the gospel, that, that is the, the terms of peace. Take this and we ain't fighting about this no more. I'm gonna love you always and forever, even until the end of the age. Like, that's a really good deal, I'm taking that deal. And... Now I want to give of myself to you, God, because you've given so generously to me and there's not a chance I'm ever going to be able to pay that back. That's, that's massive. That's huge. That's beyond my scope of ability of perfection for sure. So, but I want, I want I'm, I'm compelled to. In fact, I'm in relationship with others. The least I can do is love the person next to me and love the people I'm around. Maybe we can get through some hard times together or maybe we can share and participate. What are you compelled to respond with? Let's, let's, let's think about that at least for a little bit. Uh, and my exhortation to you is to, to ponder that with God and, and, and to put that out there in view of his relationship. Offer that to him in the coming year in your home groups and your relationships at home, whatever that is, offer that up. And then uh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna break down nine through 21 here real quick and uh, kind of put a bow on this. Um, but I wanted to do it with, with that header. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, um, Verse nine, love must be sincere. Don't fake it. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. In view of God's great mercy, be devoted to one another in love. Same love, the sincere love. Be devoted to one another in sincere love. Honor one another above yourselves. Again, be humble. Don't think of yourself too highly. Love is the envelope. Love is the Christmas wrapper. The motive and the expression of your love is the present that you give to other people. You do it in love. It doesn't have to be, do you acknowledge my love for you type of love just has to be love. Like you want other people to notice that, you, that you're loving them when you're doing it, but you can't have that expectation. You just be legit. Genuinely, and it, it's very powerful and it's very liberating to just love people because then the onus isn't on you for 
whatever happens next. It never is. When you go to manipulate somebody and it doesn't work out, that's on you. If you just love somebody, somebody who's unlovable, I, I, I find this challenging in, in my day to day. I find people who are unlovable mostly because they haven't met a certain bar that I've put out there. It's, it's a darn shame. I really do. I, I do this. Like, how can this person be this way? I mean, part of it is, is me going, I was the dumbest person that roamed the face of this earth. How could somebody else be dumber than me? I just don't believe it. But yet there's somebody out there doing something that they really shouldn't be. It's like, can I love this person even though I think that they probably hate me or I think that they are corrupt or corroded in, in, in some fashion and I don't want to deal with this? You can never be at fault for loving somebody regardless. And so... Be liberated in sincere love for others. Not love with conditions. It allows God room to work and uh, opens up interesting details in relationships where you didn't, didn't know previously existed. It just allows the Lord to work in that, it's kind of, kind of opens up the possibility for Christ to step in and, and do who knows what for people versus you kind of corralling a certain outcome, whether it be personal safety or, or just the removal of something annoying in your life. I mean, that's uh, kind of vague, but it's kind of personal. It's, I struggle with loving people all the time and, and people that he exhorts us to, people that you wouldn't. You have to overcome this stuff. Um, it's not easy. I'll chalk it up. It's not an excuse, but it's probably for me it's a defense mechanism a lot of times. Like, well, I don't want to mess with that. I don't want that to mess with me. And I don't love that individual. I just kind of protect myself from them. Just being honest. I need to love better. Um, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual favor, spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I got one sample set from last year when we had the men's shelter next door that really, really propelled um, my new year. Ian participated with me in that, and that was awesome. We got to practice hospitality once a week, got to make a meal for these guys. We got to create relationships. In fact, I've seen Tyler. I don't know anybody else remember Tyler. I've seen Tyler. I was cutting through the city. Uh, Tyler was a fellow that stayed here and, uh, and uh, kind of stood out as special um, or set apart from the rest and just like Tyler just, just seemed to be a connection there, an established connection that just kept happening. And, uh, and I seen him, I was cut through the city, I caught him, cut through a parking lot, looked the same, um, which wasn't bad. Tyler was actually in pretty good shape. And uh, 
I was glad to see him. I didn't have a chance to unroll the window and holler his name at that time. But, um, you know, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Hey, the Lord's people, those are the people on the street, by the way. I mean, yeah, we're the Lord's people too. We're up here in church, but, man, the Lord was from the street. Those are his people. Those are also the people, you know, from afar who are doing amazing things or martyrs and, you know, just his church. But don't, 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 don't limit your gaze as to who the Lord's people are. Uh, let's keep that view expounded because I think a lot of people get forgotten. Practice hospitality. So that was really sweet to serve others, to prepare food. It's a great gift to have. It's a great thing that we can share with each other. We'll do it here at the end of the thing. In view of God's mercy, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. In view of God's mercy, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. In view of God's mercy, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Again, do not think highly of yourself, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. In view of his mercy, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Paul probably had all kind of tools at his disposal in repaying anybody for things that they might have done to him. He, he was connected. I'm sure he had like, you know, I got a, I got a cousin or an uncle. Or, and Uncle Guido isn't the, the old Italian stereotype, you know, member of the mob. Paul probably had a couple of uncles, like in places he could get things taken care of. But he knows that it's, you know, there's a bigger thing at stake here. And you have to do what's right in view of everyone, um, namely the Lord, and in view of, of what he's done for us. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I mean, that's just, uh, that's just the, the power of the gospel turning everything on its head, right? Um, don't repay evil for evil, rather do bless him again. Um, if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. It's, it's, it requires more. It's um, where gentle as doves and wise as serpents. It requires more wisdom to see what really is at the root of what's going on with your enemy, your perceived enemy, whoever it is that's up against you. Something behind the scenes with that individual is driving him to act the way he is. Or that's possible. That's a possibility, right? It usually is. There's a motive there. Maybe he's hungry. Maybe he's cranky. Maybe he's thirsty. Tend to our, I think, tend to the opportunity to minister to our enemies, not just meet him head to head in his um, motive to to hurt. Uh, and that's it right there in 21. Do not be overcome by evil, 
not necessarily evil inflicted on us by other people, but maybe the evil options that the enemy likes to put in front of us uh, to trigger old behaviors or um, create avenues in your decision-making process that seem easier. Seems easier to do something else instead of to do the hard thing, which is to love this person. Seems easier to, I don't know, uh, set him up, you know, or something like that. But overcome evil with good. Well, can't just do that just because we know what good is, right? We have to keep the view of God's mercy. We have to keep God's mercy in view to know what good is. We have to remember what he's done versus what we've done and to know that that exchange, what he's offered us, those terms of peace versus what we're letting go of, that's good. That's a good deal. We took that. We're taking that. We know what good is. We overcome evil with good. We, I, I don't know, I can't think of a practical example because I've usually screwed this one up. Somebody's done something to me, I do something back to them, or I meet it with the wrong intention. I can think of something in my cooking career, where guys were doing stuff, stealing my knives, or, uh, or just challenging me, and, and my response was always to meet theirs with my version of theirs and see whose was bigger, all that. You know, just so I think, you guys remember my story of Jose in the, in the pizza parlor? And, you know, most of you do. Hey, look, there was evil in that. There was evil. I wanted that man's destruction. And I lived with that desire to want that man's destruction. It was stupid, right? You know, for those who don't know. But it, it happened. I had bitterness towards this individual for a lot of years. And that was evil. It wasn't good. It wasn't from God that I wanted this man. I wanted revenge for how he treated me. That wasn't, that wasn't it. The only way to overcome that evil was with good, which was the Lord had to provide in his great mercy and timing and everything another opportunity for Jose and I to interact. It wasn't anything I could contrive, but I had the opportunity to keep the evil going. Don't get me wrong. I had that opportunity. It was a joke of an idea to do, but I had it because my wife's like, what do you do now? You know, if you guys remember the story. Jose was putting out two smaller pizzas and I told him a few times, you gotta quit putting out these small pizzas and they got me fired because he wouldn't do it and I got angry at him and I cussed at him and he got me fired on my birthday and all this other stuff, right? Silly, stupid, right? But, but I was so mad at him because I got fired on my birthday. And there he was on my birthday having pizza and I, you know, we're gonna keep this thing going. I'm gonna send this pizza back and I'm gonna tell him it's too small. Pick up right where we left off. Oh, we got to overcome it with good. So I had to process that evil out of the way. Like, yeah, I'm tempted to do that. That sounds mighty fine. But it's not going to accomplish God's will. The only thing is something that's good. You know what's good is if I forgive Jose. Then my wife says, eh, that's good. But, you know, maybe you need his forgiveness too. Oh, great. More, more. Well, it's probably good if I actually do need to that I get it. That's kind of where I was at. I was like, oh, I think there's something there. Turns out there was. I needed to tell him I was sorry. And now it's good. That evil is overcome. The enemy can take a hike. He doesn't own that real estate in my heart anymore. It doesn't trouble me. I think of Jose's face and I smile. I don't lose sleep. It has been overcome. 
in light of God's great mercy towards me, I am able to weigh out things, test and see, you know, based on his word, if this is good or not. Certainly was good, certainly was good. That's just a small example. We have nothing but examples to move towards here in the next few months. And uh, I, hope, I hope you've got something, I hope you got something to go on here as we leave Christmas and go into New Year's. Something to taper into, taper and grow, taper and then magnify maybe in our, you know, as Mike is emphasized in the study of Matthew, we're, we're looking at Christ to, in order to become more like him, not to just punch the ticket that we are saved as believers and carry on until it's time to go to heaven. No, we want to grow into the kingdom there and not yet now. It's this weird mental gymnastics, but my heart says, yeah. I don't quite, you know what I mean? It's hard to articulate that we're not in heaven, but we can respond like we're in heaven now, that we're actually on two things. When we pray, we're in heaven, and but we're still on earth, and it's just, but my heart goes, yeah, let's live. Let's live like we're, like we're there, right? Hugging each other, gonna get you, gonna do anything for you, I'm here for you. Offer ourselves, God, this is yours, you bought it. Thank you. You know, there are things we get to do. Let's, let's get back to doing that. Christmas is over. It's official. Is it tonight? Whatever. Let's, let's move. So, okay, with all of that, we're invited to take communion. We're reminded to take communion. If you're a believer, if you've received God, God's exchanged the offer of his son to be crucified for our sins in exchange for our sins to give us forgiveness via the, the breaking of his body and the spilling of his blood by which we take and eat the cracker and drink the wine in remembrance of and, uh, and have the opportunity for faith to follow that exchange into eternal life with him and with each other. We're gonna do that. Bob, are we gonna queue up a song for that? Okay, I'll pray and then we'll do that. Dear Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, precious Holy Spirit, my how you have come through for me today, I just thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, that it, it wasn't a bunch of heavy lifting on my part. Thank you that you, you've offered me uh, peace with yourself. And man, that's enough. And then you offer, Lord, myself and others uh, gifts, gifts not for ourselves, uh, but for others and for your kingdom. And you have this wondrous uh, kingdom at work that doesn't make headlines, that isn't like a stock market ticker where we can follow and know what's going on, but it's it's still, a, it's a mystery, but there are no walls. And, uh, and we have a, we get to participate with you. Thank you so much for that. That it's not a, uh, 
sit around. It's not a waiting room uh, until you return, but it's, a, it's an active and involved kingdom still with angels and, and uh, creepy things, Lord, that, that we get to glorify you against. Praise you, Lord, for that. Praise you for your victory. I pray that you would bless uh, the people here who've heard all this, Lord, that uh, you bless us to transition into this uh, next season and, and bless our gifts, Lord. Would you equip us with gifts and would you equip us with opportunity and would you remind us to keep you in full view uh, for at least this week. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.